my name is Belle. I'm a gay ex-evangelical, and this is my podcast about my life crisis. I hope you enjoy it more than I am. All right, here I am. I am recording my first podcast. And honestly, I'm probably embarrassingly excited about this because I have basically had an obsession with the idea of creating a podcast um, for years. So if my excitement is cringy, sorry, but also I'm not sorry. (laughs) Um, Also, let's just get this out of the way right now. I know or I have a good feeling that the most common question I'm going to get with this is what the hell is a zillennial because the podcast is called Zillennial Life Crisis. So I'm just going to explain it to you so we get that out of the way. Urban Dictionary says zillennial is a micro generation consisting of people born three years before the end of millennials and three years after the start of Gen Z. So basically it's this tiny group of people who both relate to millennial and Gen Z, but aren't specifically one or the other. (laughs) Also, Zillennial, the term, is not scientific at all. Like, there's no scientific background to it. It's purely a buzzword that's been created out of culture. Um, So, (laughs) but it makes sense to me because I feel like I relate to Gen Z and Millennial, but also I'm not fully one or the other. And Zillennial Life Crisis is just a sick podcast name, so that's all the explanation I need to give for that. (laughs) This episode is mainly going to be about my life crisis because I can't have a podcast called Zillennial Life Crisis if I don't explain my life crisis. And for some of you that are listening, you've walked with me through my two and a half year long life crisis at this point. And you've kind of been there the whole way, which, thank you. And then there's some of you who have kind of like watched from the sidelines where you've seen little bits and pieces or maybe you have kind of seen some social media posts or maybe maybe your family. Those people have a little bit of insight into my life crisis, but you're probably thinking or have thought in the past, what the fuck happened to her? <laughs> Which I don't blame you for. I would think the same thing, but you're going to get answers in this episode. And then there's also the people who don't know me at all. Um, and the goal is by the end of this episode to have all three of those groups of people on the same page so that we all know who I am, what my life crisis is, because I don't have the attention span to journal. It's like I can get a page down, but then after a page, my thoughts, like I don't, I just can't finish writing down the rest of my thoughts. So then I get annoyed with myself because I can't finish writing them. So I decided at some point to just start recording voice memos because it was easier to like speak what I was thinking and process it that way. But I've been doing that for quite a while and I have a shit ton of voice memos in my phone. So I needed a new way to process and a podcast sounded fun. So here I am. (laughs) Anyway, so as I mentioned, I'm going on my two and a half year anniversary of my life crisis and it started in 2020 and obviously 2020 and COVID go hand in hand. Um, And I was actually at university. I was at Kingswood University in New Brunswick, Canada. 
and it was March 15th, something like that. I remember the date because it was a few days after my birthday. And I was sitting in my dorm room with my roommate and I had watched this TikTok of these girls who created a drinking board game. And I thought that was the coolest shit that I had seen. Also, you weren't allowed to drink at Kingswood, so it felt super rebellious. And I loved being rebellious at Kingswood. So I remember going to the dollar store. I got some poster board and I went back to my room and I was sitting at my desk making the poster board drinking game. And my phone went off and I checked it and it was an email from the president basically saying, get off campus, we're shutting down. Which actually, the amount of relief that I felt reading that email, <laughs> looking back, just should have been like a telltale sign of the environment that I was in. But I was so excited to leave. And I packed my shit up in 24 hours, put a quarter of it in my car, put three-fourths of it in storage, which to this day is still at Kingswood. And I have no plans of going to get it from storage. <laughs> ever it'll stay there anyway I packed up my shit and I drove back to Michigan which is where I live and that's about a three-day drive um so I got back here COVID's happening Michigan the world is shut down you know you can't go anywhere you can't do anything um and I was a 21 year old living with my parents and I couldn't go anywhere or do anything and you can probably imagine how fun that was <laughs> but I started thinking about a lot of things during that time one of them being how toxic manipulative abusive Kingswood was as well as the church that I was attending while I was at Kingswood I started thinking about that a lot and my mental health started plummeting <laughs> and I had a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear and a lot of panic and nightmares and PTSD symptoms and just I mean I was miserable um, and I also couldn't go anywhere because of COVID and I remember one day I was like I don't know what to fucking do I'm either gonna sit here and cry the entire day or I'm going to go buy something. And I ended up buying a Nintendo Switch Lite. And I got obsessed with Fortnite. It was like my total coping mechanism. Still is. I'll be the first to admit it. I love playing Fortnite. <laughs> I'm like a little teenage boy. But in the midst of all my anxiety, fear, panic. Oh my god. Why do I believe what I believe? And I think I don't want to be a Christian anymore. Um, I decided that Fortnite was the coolest shit ever. So anyway, yeah, I started processing my experiences while I was at Kingswood and a lot of it stemmed from some crazy, weird, scary things that had happened both at Kingswood and also at the church that I was going to while I was there. And that stuff, my mind, like I couldn't get it out of my head. And I didn't understand it and it terrified me that it had happened and I um, I started having a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear and a lot of panic and I felt like my world was crashing down around me. And you know normally I would have 
prayed or I would have read the Bible or I would have turned on some worship music. But that stuff started to feel unsafe for me because so much of the anxiety and the fear and the nightmares that I was experiencing was stemming from religion and stemming from Christianity and stemming from religious trauma and stemming from Bible college and all that. And like, it was like the one coping mechanism that I had of religion or Christianity, what I had completely relied on up to this point was taken away from me. And it was all of a sudden a trigger. And anytime that I heard a worship song or someone tried to pray over me or um, even if someone laughed a specific way, it would remind me of people laughing in the spirit and like totally trigger me and freak me the hell out. Um, I remember there was a good span of probably three or four months where I if I laughed, if I started to laugh too hard, I would stop myself because I was like, oh my God, my, in my mind, I was like, oh, oh my God, La laughing in the spirit. This is bad. This is bad. And it, I would just freak out and I would lose my shit and I would stop myself from laughing. And it was just really rough. Um, and in the midst of that, God became terrifying he became completely unsafe for me, which is the first time that I had experienced that in my life. And that led me to why do I even believe in Christianity? What is Christianity? What is Christianity about? What do I believe? What have I been taught to believe in? Why do I believe it still? And all of that. And I'm not going to go into that specifically in this episode because it would be a fucking 10 hour long podcast. But for the sake of time, um, I basically came to the conclusion of, holy shit, I don't want to be a Christian anymore. And with that came a lot of emotions, the three main ones being a lot of shame, a lot of anger, and a lot of fear. I, I felt so ashamed because I had grown up being taught that Christianity was the only good thing in the world. And if you weren't a Christian, you were you know, just automatically bad. And so the fact that I didn't want to be a Christian anymore, I was so ashamed of that. Um, and then I was really mad. I was mad at myself because I couldn't get past this feeling of not wanting to be a Christian. And then I was mad at how long I had spent in Christianity and all the things that I had been taught. And I got really mad about the trauma that had happened and the abuse that had happened. And I mean, that stems back into my childhood and I got so angry. And then I was terrified because if I'm not a Christian, I'm going to go to hell. And that scared the shit out of me for a while. It doesn't now. I could care less. But then in 2020, it did. It really, really scared me. I would have nightmares where I would be burning in hell and like just absolutely miserable. So... Because of all those emotions, the shame, the anger, the fear, I did not tell anyone that I didn't want to be a Christian anymore. I was also still enrolled at Kingswood, so I was technically still a Bible college student, and I felt like if I wasn't a Christian and I was at a Bible college, it felt wrong, and like I couldn't do that, and also I didn't want to get kicked out because that's a hell of a lot of money to just go down the drain and not get a degree out of. Um, so for about a year, it was like I knew that I 
couldn't continue being a Christian, but that was so scary to me. I was hoping for anything to give me a lifeline and a way to be able to continue to be a Christian. I remember in 2021, so in the beginning of 2021, January, I had to go on internship, which at Kingswood, your internship is your final semester of your fourth year. And basically you go to a church or an organization or a company or something like that, and you are on staff. So you come alongside the people who are already on staff there and you work there for free (laughs) while you're also still enrolled in college and still doing coursework and stuff. Um, But then you're also on staff at this church or organization and you have to do that in order to get your degree. So I decided that it would be a good idea to go back to Canada. Terrible idea. Terrible idea. Canada at this point was just the idea of being in Canada um, was so unsettling for me and it was really scary for me and it brought a lot of fear and I decided to go do my internship in Canada, which makes sense. In fact, I remember one time having a conversation with one of my friends saying, I'm really anxious to go back to Canada. And they were like, no shit. (laughs) And then they said, maybe you should do your internship in Michigan. And I said, no, I've already committed to Canada. I'll be fine. I was, in fact, not fine. (laughs) And so I went back to Canada. I had to quarantine for two weeks which was miserable in and of itself. And then I got out of quarantine. I went to my internship and I remember the first night on my internship, I was moving my stuff from my car into the church because I was living at the church that I was doing my internship at. And I had this gut feeling that this was going to be the worst four months of my life. One of the worst four months of my life. And I couldn't shake the feeling And I felt really guilty for it because, you know, I was battling with this idea of I don't want to be a Christian anymore, but I also don't know how to be okay with that and I need something to keep me in Christianity. So I thought maybe my internship, you know, maybe my internship and the people at my internship would be the thing to keep me in Christianity and when I got there and I felt the gut feeling of this is going to be one of the worst four months of my life. I felt so guilty. And I want to make it clear that the reason my internship was so awful wasn't because of the church and it wasn't because of the people at the church. It wasn't because of the leadership. Um, It was because of all the experiences leading up to that moment. It had nothing to do with the church that I was at or the people who were at that church with me or the people who I was on staff with. It had everything to do with all of the experiences that I had before my internship. And my mental health got really bad. I remember um, COVID was still pretty bad. And I remember the first week of my internship, (laughs) Canada went into the red zone. The red zone meant that Everything was locked down. You couldn't get into another province. You couldn't travel. You couldn't be in another person's car. You, I mean, you couldn't be around anyone or anything. Schools were shut down. Work was shut down. It was like 2020 all over again. 
But this time I was in Canada <laughs> living in a church, which was hella triggering. So I was alone in a lockdown in a church. It was also winter. So it gets dark at 3 p.m. And that's just shitty in of itself. And I remember being so incredibly anxious. I couldn't sleep. I had nightmares. I couldn't eat. I couldn't function. I was physically sick all the time. I would be sick all the time. I was dissociating all the time. It got to the point where I genuinely did not want to be alive anymore. I was done. I did not want to do it. And I thought about dropping out so many times. My therapist was like, I will write you a note to get you out of, <laughs> to get you out of Canada. Um, I never did. I, I wanted to, but I didn't. I ended up finishing. And as soon as I finished my internship, I got out of Canada as fast as I possibly could. I skipped my graduation and I just went back to Michigan. But leaving my internship and graduating from Kingswood kind of finally gave me the freedom to actually leave Christianity. Because up until this point, remember, I had this feeling of I don't want to be a Christian anymore. But that scares me so much that I want to find any lifeline I can to continue in Christianity because I don't know what the hell it looks like for me to not be a Christian and that's too scary. And Kingswood being in Bible college and going to an internship was that lifeline for a little while. But then my mental health got so bad while I was on my internship and God still continued to be this very scary, very anxiety provoking being if he exists. Um, and once I finished my internship and I graduated, it was like just this switch that flipped in me. And I all of a sudden felt like I had the freedom to leave Christianity. And I did. <laughs> I left. I ran so far. And it's the most freeing thing that I've ever done. By far the most freeing thing that I've ever done. And which shocked me in the beginning because you know, Christianity is supposed to be the most freeing thing that you choose in your life. But for me, leaving was the most freeing thing that I had done. And I remember one of my friends here in Michigan, uh, I was hanging out with her. She's a friend from high school. And I was hanging out with her and I was talking about how I had left Christianity. And she was talking about how there's such a difference in me. And she's like, you seem so much more happy and so much more free and so much more like you just seem more yourself. And I was talking to her about how I felt that I was finally able to be me. And it's such a weird concept because Christianity is supposed to give you the freedom to be you, right? Like Christianity is supposed to be that key to freedom. At least that's what you're taught. But for me, it was the total opposite. Christianity was, I mean, thinking metaphorically, Christianity was keeping me like in a jail cell and once I had left it was my key out so it was crazy so I finally felt like I could be me and then there was freedom in little things like Sundays <laughs> sleeping in on a Sunday felt like the most incredible thing and it sounds so silly and so stupid but I can remember as a kid specifically wanting to sleep in on Sundays and being drugged or dragged, whatever it is, to church. 
and my parents would drag me out of the house, go to church. We got to go to church. We got to go to church. And when I had left Christianity and I wasn't going to church anymore and I could sleep in on a Sunday, little things like that became so incredibly freeing for me. Another one was drinking. I had drank before, but after I left Christianity and I was able to drink with a friend, like to say to a friend, hey, want to have a fire and just like have a couple drinks and hang out? To be able to say that and not feel guilty for it blew my mind. (laughs) So there was a lot of little things like that that made me feel a lot of freedom in leaving Christianity. And at this point, the shame and the fear that I had been feeling before about, you know, if I left Christianity, what the hell would that mean for me? That shame and that fear started to lessen a lot. Um, But the anger spiked up a lot. And I got really mad, but I wasn't mad at myself anymore. I was mad at what I had been taught for 22 years of my life. I was pissed because for so long I had been taught that Christianity is the one and only way that anyone who's not a Christian is wrong. Automatically, they need saving. And and up until this point, I had spent my entire life living with the idea that Christianity is the one and only way to live. And I got mad. And so now, instead of feeling this intense dread for the idea of me not being a Christian and what that would mean, I felt this massive amount of dread for people not knowing that I was no longer a Christian. It was like, if someone thinks that I'm still a Christian, I actually can't handle it. <laughs> and it would make me, it, like, it felt disgusting. Like I had to tell people that I wasn't a Christian anymore. And that's not to say that I think other people who are Christians are wrong or evil or whatever. I don't. If you believe in Christianity and if you believe in the Bible and whatever you believe in is completely your right and your choice and you have every right to believe that and I will fully support your right to believe what you believe so just to make that clear (laughs) but for me I just couldn't stand the idea of people still thinking that I was a Christian um and so I got really vocal about it and I was basically basically said fuck it I need people to know and I went off on social media just went off started posting things nonstop, 24 7 like instagram stories facebook posts all all the whole the whole bit i just went nuts posting about how religion sucked and christianity is terrible and how i don't believe it anymore and how god all the inconsistencies in the bible and you know And let me tell you, people came out of the fucking woodwork to try and convert me back to Christianity. Old co-workers, my old piano teacher, I mean, people from all over the place just started messaging me, sending me all these DMs, sending me text messages, the whole bit. You know, the God that you were taught about isn't actually the real God and what you were taught isn't true religion and isn't true Christianity and it's about a relationship and blah, 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 blah. 
I didn't, I didn't want any of it. I didn't give a shit. I, at that point, I had knew that nothing and no one could convince me to be a Christian again. I was so disgusted with the things that I had been taught, believe, taught to believe that the idea of being a Christian again felt like the worst thing possible. So I think here's the best way I can describe it. When I was a Christian, the idea of not being a Christian was the worst thing possible. Once I left Christianity, the idea of going back to Christianity, that felt like the worst thing possible. And people, I mean, they were asking me to coffee. For some reason, coffee is like the hub of Christian get-togethers, but it was, it was just nuts. But I just knew that nothing and no one could convince me to be a Christian again. And that really gave me the freedom of authenticity because even though I had all these Christians, you know, chirping in my ear saying, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. You weren't taught the right things or you're going down a dark path or whatever. I, whatever it was, um, before those things would have shaken me up and I would have questioned, you know, am I wrong? Am I doing the wrong thing? You know, it would have made me pause and question, but now it didn't. I had no question. I was like, no, actually, I'm not wrong. It's fine if you think that, but I'm not wrong. And being so secure in my choice to leave Christianity was what really gave me the freedom of authenticity for myself. And not only in my religion, but in my sexuality. So I've known and this, you know, is another part of the religious trauma that I talked about earlier having to do with stemming from my childhood and stuff. Um, I've known that I was gay since I was a kid. Um, I've always, always had an attraction to women. And obviously when I was really young, I didn't understand the language. But once I understood the language of gay, lesbian, whatever, um, I knew exactly that's, that's what I am. Uh, and like I knew inherently that I had this attraction to women. I can remember being on the beach with my, one of my family members. We were really close as kids and we were on the beach and she would see, you know, a dude who she thought was hot and she'd be like, Hey, he's pretty hot. And <laughs> I remember thinking, no, he's not. But that woman over there, that chick over there, she's pretty hot. <laughs> and obviously I didn't say that because at the time I had been taught to believe that attraction attraction to the same sex was so wrong. You know, I immediately would feel super guilty for just natural attraction towards a woman. And I would think, oh my God, you know, I'm, I'm such an awful person. I'm such a sinner. I'm so gross and all, all of that kind of stuff. Um, I remember when I was eight, I told God that I would never get married because... I had no interest in marrying a guy and it was a sin to marry a girl. And that was like my sacrifice to God. It was almost like I found security in my relationship with God by neglecting myself the possibility of love, which is super fucked up. <laughs> but it was like the best way I can describe it in my head. I was also really young, but the best way I can describe it in my head was basically the idea that because I was attracted to women naturally, I, like I believe that I was just born that way. And so because I was naturally attracted to women, that made me 
that made me everything that God was against or everything that God despised. And so the way that I kind of reconciled that in my head was I decided I'd never get married. And I decided that I would sacrifice my chance at love and my chance at a happy relationship. Um, I would give that up for the sake of God, which is super fucked up (laughs) and not okay. But when I was eight years old, I didn't know any better. And so now going back to I had become super vocal about not being a Christian anymore. I felt the most free that I ever had. I was the most authentic version of myself except for my sexuality. And, but it wasn't like a burden anymore. It wasn't like, oh yeah, you're attracted to women. It was like, oh yeah, I'm attracted to women. (laughs) It was, it was empowering and exciting but also terrifying because again i had i had envisioned this life for myself in which i was going to be alone for the rest of time and i was never going to get married i wasn't going to have you know a partner or a significant other um i was just going to be alone and i got really comfortable with that idea and that comfort is still something that I'm working through today because it's like for so long I told myself that I was going to be alone for my whole life I got okay with that idea and even though I want a relationship and I want to love someone and be loved by someone it's also terrifying (laughs) so you know at this point I feel like I'm the most free I've ever been and I'm have the ability to me to be the most authentic version of myself and I wanted to embrace my sexuality so I started sending snapshots to my friends just randomly you know 1 a.m 3 p.m 9 30 a.m whenever just super random and I, I would ask one of two questions I would ask them would you still be my friend if I was gay or I would ask Would you be surprised if I was gay? (laughs) Knowing full well that I was gay, but it was like a total protection mechanism for me, you know, because as much as I felt free to embrace my sexuality, I was also terrified to embrace my sexuality and to be an openly gay lesbian woman um, because of the years and years and years and years of what I had been taught. And even though I decided to leave Christianity, all of that just doesn't go away. You know what I mean? Um, so it was really scary. The idea of, hey, I can have love and be loved and I'm not wrong for it and I'm not sinful for it and I'm not disgusting for it and I'm not bad and, you know, I am worthy of love and I'm worthy of spending my life with someone who I care about and who loves me and who I love back um which that idea was both exciting and also terrifying (laughs) so for a while I kind of battled myself with knowing that I finally had the freedom to embrace my sexuality but also being terrified of what that meant which felt very confusing for me and still does sometimes because like I finally have the freedom to love someone and be in a relationship with someone but also that freedom 
scares the hell out of me. <laughs> it sounds super twisted, but I had to not only recognize the freedom in the possibility of me having a relationship, I also had to recognize the excitement in that and the fact that that's actually a good thing. <laughs> and it was like, I had to almost retrain my brain in the way that it thought. Um, so for a while, I wrestled with that. And then eventually, I got to the point where I started to feel more excitement than fear um, about the idea of being able to love someone and be loved by someone. There still was a fear part to it, and there still is, <laughs> but the excitement part was significantly more than the fear part. And at that point, I felt like I wanted to bring a few of my close people in and to celebrate that with me, kind of. I told, like, my closest friends, which consisted of, like, three people. <laughs> I came out to them, and for a while, you know, I just wanted to have some time where I got to fully accept my sexuality for myself, and I got to explore that, and I got to experience the world as a lesbian who has fully accepted herself finally. But I, I didn't want to tell people, and it wasn't because I didn't want to tell people because of a fear of what they would say or what they would think or it wasn't that it was because it felt like such a special time for me to be able to fully accept myself and to fully accept my sexuality and to fully accept the idea that I could be loved by someone that was so special to me that I didn't want to let other people in and not because of fear of their influence in my life. It wasn't it wasn't that. It was because I wanted to savor it for myself. And I did that for a while. And then I started to feel like I did with Christianity. You know, with Christianity, I got to the point where I felt like I no longer could have people think that I was a Christian because it just felt so wrong to me and who I was and it felt so inauthentic. And I got to that point with my sexuality around winter last year, probably around Christmas last year. Um, where I really wanted people to finally, I wanted people to know me for me. The idea of people not knowing that I was gay felt more inauthentic and felt like I couldn't do it. I was so, like, I'm so proud to be who I am and I'm so proud to be a gay woman and I'm so proud to be a lesbian that I want everyone to know. <laughs> like, I want everyone in my life and everyone who sees me on the street to know that I'm gay <laughs> because I'm so proud of it. Finally, for once in my life, I'm finally so proud of it. And even though there's that little bit of fear about what my future looks like with someone in a relationship, it has nothing to do with my sexuality at this point. It has everything to do with, holy shit, how do I bring someone else into my life and actually share that with them, which I'll probably do another podcast episode on. <laughs> but it was like I have finally accepted myself to the point where I can't handle the idea of people not knowing that I'm gay so I came out to everyone all at once <laughs> um and it wasn't even like planned it was this one random night I was sitting in bed I was talking to this girl who I've been talking to for a while and I was like you know what I'm gonna come out to everyone she probably thought that I was fucking manic or something, but I did too. I sent, <laughs> I wrote a text and I copied and pasted it to everyone, <laughs> to all my friends, 
all my family, both sides of my family, dad's side of my family, mom's side of my family, everyone. I was going nuts. I called my grandmother and I said, hey, I'm gay. And I mean, I told everyone and it was mixed reactions. Some people were like, well, I'm glad you finally told us. And then some people were like, what? And then some people were like, hey, I'm glad you told me. I didn't know, but I'm glad you told me that kind of thing. Um, but my family is really religious. So no matter what the general response was, there was always this phrase tacked onto it of, I don't agree with the lifestyle and I don't support the lifestyle, but I'll still love you, which again is another topic that I'm going to do a podcast on. At that point, it felt so good to just come out that I didn't even give a shit how people responded and, you know, the whole, I'll support you, but not the lifestyle and I'll still love you. It didn't sit well with me, but I didn't care because... (laughs) I felt so fucking free. Finally, everyone knew and it felt so good and it brought me so much joy and it made me so happy and that's all I cared about. Now, as time has gone on, situations have come up in which things that people say, especially in my family, do bug me now because I know that it's so wrong and so now looking back at when I had come out, those comments of, you know, I don't support the lifestyle, but I'll still love you. It's really confusing for me. So, so that pretty much brings me to where I'm at now. I've officially left religion. I've officially left Christianity. I've come out to everyone in my life publicly. I am a gay woman. I'm a lesbian and I fucking love it. But even with that said, I still feel like I'm in a fucking life crisis. Hence the podcast. And that's really what I want to talk about because... Even though I finally left religion, I'm finally out and proud. And, you know, I am the most authentic version of myself that I've ever been. There is still so much shit that comes up on a daily basis, whether it's an interaction with a family member because I'm gay or whether it's, you know, something that was triggering to me or whether it's the fact that half my family won't invite me over to um, family functions anymore or I can't bring my partner over or, you know, stuff like that. Like, it's, there's still really fucking hard things that happen. And even though I'm the most authentic version of myself and even though I'm the most free version of myself in my life, and that's the coolest fucking thing that I've ever said about myself, at the same time, it's like a double-edged sword because I am so free But there's also really fucking bad and hard things that come with that because I left everything that I knew and I left everything that I had been taught. And, you know, my family is very much so still religious and very much so still Christian. And there's a lot that comes with that. And so I wanted a place for myself to process what I would consider an ongoing life crisis. Um... And a podcast felt like the perfect place to do that. You know, whether you're listening because you're interested in my story or you're listening because you feel that it's similar to you or you're listening because you're bored and have nothing else to do, you know, (laughs) I just want to talk about my life and how my literal life crisis has been both the best and worst thing to ever happen to me. And I want to process that verbally and I mean... 
I really do hope that making this podcast can help people because I think there's a lot of people going through a similar situation and whether it's the same exact situation with leaving religion and, you know, coming out as an openly gay person or whether it's you're in a completely different situation but you're still in a life crisis, I just, I hope that you can listen to this and, you know, I hope you relate and maybe you feel like, oh, someone gets it. So yeah, thanks for taking the time to listen. <laughs> I appreciate it. This is a fun first episode for me. I'm excited to continue to do the rest. I'm releasing episodes every Sunday um, because that just feels right as an ex-evangelical. <laughs> um, no specific topic other than obviously life crisis, but that's an all-encompassing topic of a, a lot. So, <laughs> I mean, there'll be things that span from being gay to talking about my dog. So, I appreciate the support. You can follow me on Instagram at Zillennial Life Crisis, or you can follow me on Twitter at Z Life Crisis. Um, I'll do some, you know, I'll probably do some Q and A's and get some questions in and that kind of stuff. So, if you're interested in keeping up, check out my Instagram and Twitter, and I will see you next Sunday. Bye.